I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. fucking Mark Twain shit, because it's definitely getting chisel on your tombstone. And thank you for listening to Who Will Survive. This is another one of our bonus episodes where Marco and I come together to talk with somebody involved with a film which we had seen and and really liked quite a bit. In this particular case, it is uh, two films by the same person. But before we get to that, uh, how's it going, Marco? I'm good, Paul. How you doing, man? Good, good. Just uh, trying to get through the end of summer here and and our weather. uh, Right. Recovering from a busy weekend, but hopefully uh, after today, I don't have very much stuff to do besides just work and dad stuff yeah. and whatever. So yeah, <laughs> whenever we get to this part of summer, I get excited because you know fall's coming and Halloween's coming, right? So yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's good. Just but... a couple more weeks or months or whatever, wherever the part you live in is uh, a little more heat. Yeah, no, it's true. It's uh, you know it's funny because it bounces in in different parts of the country, get different. Yeah types of weather oh, yeah. at different times of year you know even just you know not going north and south but going across the country right right it's so much different but uh yep. we're not here to talk about the weather because that's fucking no. stupid <laughs> uh, nobody different wants podcast. to hear that's the who will survive weather podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> which it might happen right it might be a thing one day so. sure sure unless it was a weather episode where it was all weather-related <laughs> horror movies. But this is not weather-related horror. We are here to talk about Wolf Cop and another Wolf Cop. Yes. Joining us is the writer and director, uh, Lowell Dean. How's it going, Welcome. Lowell? Good, guys. How are you? 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Glad to have you on and, and talk about these movies. Um, you know, I had seen the first Wolf Cop back when it's, it's actually not on Netflix here now, but uh, when it was on Netflix about a year or so ago, I think I had caught it. And and it was one of those like I watched it in not not like all at once. Like I watched a part of it and something came up. I had to leave and then came back and watch some more of it. And I was like, oh, that was pretty good. But it didn't really, um, it, you know, watching it in segments like that. It's something where I needed to consume it in one full sit down. And <laughs> it was like, you know, I need to I need to really like because it's kind of crazy, you know, and you're like, wait, why? Who is the what? And then watch it again and was like holy shit this movie's great and yeah uh, then saw the sequel was coming and was was anxious for that which i know at the end of wolf cop you kind of teased about there being a sequel but then it took a little while to actually get there and uh you know we'll get into that when we talk about the movies but how um how was the process between the two movies uh was it you know pretty much just focused on on getting to that second movie yeah i mean it was uh it was weird like i have never um done a sequel before like it was it took all our energy kind of just to get the first film made and you mm-hmm. know it, it wasn't it's so weird it, it's like i think of it almost like being in a band and you're trying to just get that first uh, <laughs> right. success or someone to listen to your you know come to your show and, and buy your first album and then all of a sudden people want another one and it's like wow okay, <laughs> right what do we do because right, right. we spent three years almost underground desperately trying with our friends to get this first one uh, to become a reality, and then suddenly, it's almost like hurry up and and get the next thing ready. So um, wow. it was a really weird experience actually doing a sequel. I, I loved it, but um, yeah, it yeah. Was, was definitely um, it was so. All I can think of is how weird it was to suddenly have to not only do it, but top it the first one and have expectation, but not have a ton more uh, time and money to do it. So um, sure, it was. Plus, you know, with all the characters, you have to kind of then create a story arc that that keeps that going and and making all that work, you know. So yeah, and in your case, I think the pressure of that actually paid off. Um, You know, watching both movies, I think that uh, the second one, which is balls to the wall, just outrageously fun, Um, and maybe some of that pressure kind of like and you know hyped that up for you, you know. Yeah, I think the thing about a sequel is. the the good thing about a sequel is it's almost like the first one can be a testing ground for what sure. works and what doesn't, you know? Because, like, the first one was made in a vacuum. No one knew really about Wolf Cop. No one really cared. So we were doing things, and the things that always stick in my memory were um, little moments, like having him transform Dick first and the weird <laughs> sex scene. I remember those were, like, right. those were the weird things in the movie. Those were the things that we would have conversations about be like, I hope this works, you know, like this is weird. Why are we doing this? And what was funny is then when it came time to do a sequel, uh, having seen the reaction to the first film, sat in the theater and heard audiences react to those moments and realizing, okay, so the things that we were kind of nervous about, I think we can really run at full steam ahead and embrace and, and let this second one, like you said, be a little more balls to the wall and uh, embrace the weirdness of it, you know, which I think, Which is cool is actually we did some double feature screenings when the second one was done of one and two back to back. And in a weird way, it feels like one long movie that kind of is just ramping up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, and I, I came about this movie with Paul's recommendation um, and we watched it. And I, that's how I watched it. I watched it right back to back. I mean, literally minutes of each other. Um, 
And I was, and, and I got all the references and all those little cameos that you put in from the first one to the second one, like immediately because it was fresh in my mind, of course. Um, and I think it really does work as like a double feature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's how I actually plan to watch these with my, my son. Who's Yeah. He's, a, he's 12, but he's a pretty experienced horror fan, and he loves this kind of weird, crazy stuff like this, so. I'm gonna make him I sit like down that, and watch uh, it back to back. <laughs> I like that phrase, uh, "Dick first transformation." That's that's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was definitely like the. Uh, it's just funny, you know. Like it's it, we're pretty far removed now. I guess it's been about five years since that first one. And the first one, yeah. Uh, yeah it's yeah. funny what sticks out in your memory and what you know the weird few <laughs> moments you remember from set. And uh, I don't think I'll ever forget shooting that scene. But uh, it was that's really gratifying to have people. Um, embrace it because at the time when we were shooting it there was definitely a lot of like eye rolls and like okay let's really? see what yeah yeah like, well yeah because it's um one of those things where you could be accused of of being exploitative for the sake of being exploitative you know which is that's the tricky line to toe is like how do you be exploitative without being mm-hmm. so in your face where people are like oh this guy's just doing it to be different or oh, sure to, you know yeah, yeah. to be an asshole or be shocking or whatever so yeah, no, I mean, for us, it was built out of, um, I mean, for sure, definitely we wanted to stand out and we wanted to be different, but also um, it was born out of reality and practicality. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I the, the biggest thing for us was I really wanted our transformation to be great. And yes. uh, we didn't have a big budget at all. And it literally was built out of myself and the effects artist sitting down and making a list and watching, um, you know, famous transformation scenes and seeing how many shots they did, you know, like we'd watch multiple ones and be like, okay, did they had eight shots or they had six shots or they only mm-hmm. did three, but theirs were really good mm-hmm. and figuring out what can you build and what can you design. And as we were getting closer and looking at our budget, we laughingly realized we can afford to do like three shots and, and yeah. we're like, very, you know, sad about that. We're like three shots, like they better be good. And then of course, right. yes. kind of went yeah. to the path of, well, what's memorable if you've got three? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of you know going back to watch some classics and stuff as uh, as research for this, um, clearly you had known some werewolf stuff before this, and and obviously some horror things before that. How did you kind of get into making horror movies? Uh, you know, were you were you always a fan of horror growing up, or did you kind of gravitate to that at a later age? Like I'm a, a later uh, horror convert myself. So yeah, I mean, I I was um I I it's hard to like like quantify exactly when I got into horror per se. I mean, I guess I've always been into horror because, um, I mean, some of my earliest memories are watching VHS uh, marathons of like the Nightmare on Elm Street films, Friday the 13th, Sleepaway Camp. Uh, but I never really felt like it was never, it it was never really the thing that defined me. Like I would on a Friday night, you know, watch three Nightmare on Elm Street films, but then the next day I'd be watching Indiana Jones. So it all kind oh, of sure. just together for me in terms of like, I just loved movies. And um, unapologetically, uh, I never put them in the camp of this is a good one, this is a bad one. It was just what's fun. And um, right. that's what drew me into wanting to make movies was um, just the, the, I guess, the joy of the artifice of like how do you make something. And, yeah. and I think I was always more driven by the art of making something than the story of making something. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. yeah. You know, I would be, before I even knew what I was doing, I was with my brother uh, or my friend uh, running around in force with like fake severed hands and ketchup because we didn't know how to make blood and you know just like putting stuff uh, you know 
like running around with fake limbs. And I know my parents were worried about, about my sanity, I think, <laughs> at a few times. And yeah, like, does everything have to have death and uh, murder? But I think it was just because that was um, visually the most fun and weird stuff to do that you could do with no money. You know, like yeah. I, you know, if I if I literally had twenty dollars to make a film, I couldn't afford to go make this big epic period piece. But uh, <laughs> I, I could afford to buy a fake hand, and my brother would, you know, lie dead in a forest, and we'd try and figure out who murdered him. You know, and yeah. That's that's kind of where it started for me and, uh, you know, fight scenes and, and uh, you know, I, I just never really lost that. Uh, some would say immaturity and, and others would say, you know, like just perverseness. But um, <laughs> I was drawn to, you know, I was never really one for, oh, we're, you know, this is uh, two people having a breakup in a coffee shop. Like I, I watch those movies, but for me, if I'm given the opportunity to have a camera and a crew and I always want to make something a little outside of reality because I live reality every day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know Marco is a big fan of of that kind of a thing too. So I knew yeah. these these movies yeah. were going to be these were Marco movies for sure. Right. So it's yeah. like it's like there's not Paul movies. Marco watches stuff and goes, "Oh, that's not a Paul movie. He's going to hate that." <laughs> or <laughs> Yeah, man. It's just I know that, Marco like either said, it's all about fun. It's yeah. all about fun and these uh, you know, where you don't take it so serious but it's again it's to the point where it's like um you know you could describe this movie to somebody or Mm -hmm. or those type of movies and just be like man that sounds like a freaking awesome ride that's how you know this was uh, you know i found wolf cop and and another wolf cop was described to me as like these are your kind of movies and i already have that in my head of what my kind of movies are um you have the serious ones that'll make you think and make you you know you can make write a paper on on the, the underlining tones of the film and then you have these like you said, like, like just a just a fun time and something that you could sit there and laugh your ass off, which I did, and also be like, man, but it's it's a horror movie also, and it's that mm-hmm. '80s nostalgia for me uh, a little bit uh, um, of the practical effects and the appreciation for practical effects, like the severed limbs and uh, j- just awesome times of being a kid. You know, reminds me of yeah. it takes me right back to that uh sci-fi channel elvira movie yeah, everything so yeah sure that's yeah. great because that was like uh you know for me you never know if you'll you know how many movies you'll get to make or if you'll get to make it right one. and uh to me i just wanted to make like a tribute to my childhood and um mm-hmm. monster movies and superhero movies and just put them all in a pot and stir it up and, and that's kind of what these movies are i think it's like um you know yeah. I, they they are a bit ridiculous at times but um no one could ever but say they're I awesome take them right apart. right what uh, what was your training in the filmmaking industry like? Did you start out as as trying to write or cinematography or how did you kind of you know what was your your focus on how did you break well, into that well, department? Believe it or not, for someone who made a movie called Wolf Cop, I have a degree in film studies, and uh, that's kind of my goal. <laughs> is I've studied uh, cinema and the history of cinema and art, uh, okay. you know, as it approaches to that and. Uh, but I've always been, again, drawn to the weirder and the B-movies and the superhero films. So it was, um, I, I would say, like, after going to university, obviously, what the hell do you do with a film studies degree? Uh, you either write books or you do nothing. So uh, I I chose to kind of, you know, following in the footsteps of my role models, people like uh, Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson. Uh, just I started making short films, horror short films. And to kind of pay the bills, I would work at uh, my local uh, community television station. I would do shooting and editing. And um, to this day, I kind of freelance and, and do 
uh, editing and other things in between. Uh, but I'm more lately spending time writing my own stuff and, you know, just like desperately, chaotically trying to find a way to get the world to give me millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, hey, no, at least you're honest. That's awesome. <laughs> sure, yeah. No, that's cool. And um, so do you, uh, you have any desire to keep working in film or in TV or kind of just open to whatever seems interesting, really? I mean, I, I'm looking to do a little bit of anything um, that sure. is storytelling. You know, like for me, I think that's like, you know, you're forced to, you know, it's a tough industry. And, it, you know, I'm at a point where I'm trying to like, you know, really hammer down on what it is I'm passionate about and what I want to do. And mm-hmm. um, it's hard making independent films. So right now I'm trying to like juggle paying the bills and like trying to, you know, get work in the industry. But yeah. I'm always writing. I'm always I'm, I'm writing television pilots now because I think like indie film is is I'm now realizing like three or four films into my career that it's like I'm not going to say a dead end, but it's a really mm-hmm. In 2018, it's really hard to have a career making independent films. You know, it's, it seems yes, like it's yeah, like a way to um, something else in a career. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but that I, you know, I love I love creativity without borders and restrictions. And film isn't that. You know, you you definitely like the illusion I had when I was a kid was that it was like being a kid in the backyard. You know, you'd run around, and if you were the director, you'd say, "Let's do this, let's try that," and you'd have mm-hmm. like an art people going with you. But the reality is, when you make film. Um, you know, you have investors, producers, there's a bunch of people uh, with their opinion and their money on the line. So you kind of have to, uh, right. you know, it becomes a negotiation and a conversation and uh, trying to satisfy everybody while obviously ultimately satisfying yourself. Yeah. And right. so right now I'm, I'm actually also kind of on the side trying to get into comic books because I feel like mm. comic books is one place where um, it's it's reactionary to, to making, I, honestly, the Wolf Cop films and my latest film, Supergrid, it's a, it's a budget thing, and it's realizing my dreams are much bigger than uh, a million-dollar budget and not wanting mm-hmm. to just not do it but maybe find other ways to tell the story, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So to kind of transition into talking about Wolf Cop, I had heard you talking about, but I can't remember the, the specifics of you had entered the film into like a contest that you had won funding for that. What was the uh, the contest that 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 was that actually kind of funded the first film yeah so the first film so what happened i guess just to give you a bit of backstory is um we myself and some producer friends of mine in saskatchewan decided okay let's make wolf cop um i had made uh, i had made a film i made a film before that called 13 eerie and i didn't write it and it taught me a lot about the kind of film i would want to make it was a zombie film and it was really fun and ridiculous and violent but um it just wasn't 100% 100% my sensibility. So um, I wrote right. Wolf Cop, and uh, my buddy who wanted to be a producer uh, invested five grand into making a concept trailer for me. And, uh, you know, we brought 40 friends out over a weekend, and everybody chipped in, and we made a, a, a concept trailer for Wolf Cop. You know, we had, we knew pretty much, you know, I had the script written. We knew Leo Fafard was going to play Wolf Cop. I knew that my friend Emerson Ziffel was going to do the makeup effects. So, uh, we just kind of centered everybody together and made this trailer and started applying for applications for uh, financing from, you know, the government and other creative uh, industries and, you know, independent producers. And uh, it was a really tough, you know, it was it was a lot of, you know, we had some good leads and we had like a blackboard of, of ways to finance the film. And one of them was something called Cinecoup, which was uh, it just popped up around the time 
almost like fate around the time that we had done our concept trailer. And it was an online contest uh, where the, this uh, company was going to pick and finance a Canadian independent film. And uh, mm. the, the reason we entered, um, because, you know, they were offering, I think, a $1 million budget, which which isn't insane. It isn't, it's, mm. you know, it's a decent, healthy budget for an indie Canadian film, for sure. Mm-hmm. The appeal was they had partnered with Cineplex, which is like the national theater chain. So right. they were guaranteeing that your movie would play in theaters across Canada. And that was why we're like, cool. okay, that is a selling point. So uh, we entered this contest and we were up against like 90 other film projects across Canada. And, uh, you know, it was like American Idol, basically. We had to pitch our project every week. We had to talk about online, like why our film was different. We had to go to this uh, convention and basically do like a Dragon's Den thing where we stood in front of network professionals and and pitch and uh, get eliminated. And at the end, um, somehow they, they ended up picking Wolf Cop, which we were very surprised because in Canada, we have a history of kind of more serious, um, artful, dramatic films. And right. I mean, we have a, you know, a deeper history of like the genre film and uh, you know things like that years ago, but um, we were sure. not expecting that they would pick a movie called Wolf Cop. So Cineku uh, did, <laughs> right? And, uh, and that's how that's kind of how the the partnership began. And uh, they they chose our project, and then we went off and made it. Sure, nice. Maybe they just you know wanted to give something different a chance. I guess if they're not usually doing that kind of movie, but I think I, so. I think I, that was their motivation too. It wasn't clear from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because there are other films where I'm like, oh, this is going to win 100%. But right. I, yeah. I think it, as it moved, as we moved on, it became clear that they were kind of into the weird and the B-movie stuff. So we got lucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, uh, you hit on their, their I guess, their um, attitude or their emotional swing there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this, uh, this movie came out, what, in 2015, I think? 20, 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was kind of a, a longer break before the other one came out, but I know you said that you kind of made the other one right away. But um, this, uh, so th- in making Wolf Cop here, this cast, uh, I heard you mention uh, Leo Fafard that you knew that he was going to be the lead. Yeah. Um, but how did you end up kind of picking who some of these other people were going to be to fill in? Because it's a you know relatively small cast, and so you need some people that can really carry some screen time. And I know Marco and I are quite fond of one of the characters from both movies. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so how did, how did you end up kind of picking who was going to be these um, people? Well, I mean, for the first one, to be quite blunt, it was who the hell is going to be in a movie called Wolf Cop? You know, a lot <laughs> right. Of, right. Uh, <laughs> for our casting director being like, just be realistic, Lowell. This is, you know, like people are going to laugh when they see the title and, and sure. say, oh, immediately. But um, Leo Fard, <laughs> I wrote it for. Uh, I knew him. He was local and he had experience with prosthetics, which was very important. Yes. And you know, he's got the gr- the great look for wolf cop he's yeah he he was perfect to me i just knew yeah. he was guy. and um amy maticio who plays uh his partner tina mm-hmm. she's also from uh saskatchewan she now lives in toronto but um she is a very you know very local pride person and and uh very funny and uh she campaigned actively to be in the film and so you know the role of tina wasn't super fleshed out to be honest and uh I think she brought a lot and, and helped make the character far more interesting than it ever was um, on paper. And uh, honestly, the rest of the cast was a mix of everybody else basically was either someone I had worked with before, like Jesse Moss, who plays uh, the gang leader, uh, or people who uh, we saw on tape and who actually auditioned. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, if you if you audition for the role 
you know, you want to be in the film, or at least you're willing to be in the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We luckily got a lot of tape, and we saw a lot of options, and it was cool to see, uh, because Wolf Cup is a very specific tone film. You know, it's very, um, yes, it's yeah. horror comedy, uh, but I, I really wanted to create a world where, in some moments, there wasn't anything funny at all. You could just be like, if you clicked to it on TV, you could watch for three minutes and be like, is this a drama? What the hell's happening? Right, <laughs> yes. And then you yes. see another scene, and you're like, well, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. So, <laughs> um, so finding actors... Honestly, that was how I went about casting was who are people who are walking that tightrope of tone? And, um, you know, Sarah Lind, who plays Jessica, Aiden Devine, who plays the chief. These are people who could kind of like raise an eyebrow and, and suddenly get a little weird, but then mm -hmm. also be fully serious. And uh, the only person who I was looking for a bit of ridiculousness was um, Jonathan Cherry, who plays Willie. Yeah. And, um, I saw a lot of tape of people who played Willie completely straight. He was just like this serious... Uh, conspiracy theorist, um, very dry people. Some people were way too big, like over the top, absurd. And to me, he was like he walked in the room and he was a real person, but he was the weirdest real person you'd ever have a conversation with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, immediately when I saw his tape, um, you know, we were having a hard, t we were honestly having a hard time casting Willie. And then when, as soon as I saw his tape, I was like, "Yep, this is it." I didn't even yeah. like, I didn't even have to finish his tape. Three sentences in, I was like, "This is Willie." Well, that's right. Good. You uh, you made the right choice because he yeah, is our favorite character <laughs> from both yeah, movies. Absolutely. And, uh, it's we'll... almost like um, uh, just just to interject a little bit. It's almost like uh, yes, the lead is like your leads are important, but to me, you almost make or break the film if you didn't get Willie right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. because now after watching it, I figure and and you saying that we had some people maybe like a more serious role because that that role could be you know played by a more serious conspiracy theorist like you said and I'm thinking man that would have just been a drag like he was such a comic relief that broke all the tension if you know when there was some and it was just like mm -hmm. I um finding myself with the quotes uh, of Willie saying him all day today I'm like I pissing people off now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, you definitely made the film with, with that, with the, with that character. Well, because Willie the... is the audience, you know, Willie, yeah. Uh, yeah. you have the regular people walking around and, and not commenting on the absurdity of it. And he's the guy who gets to walk in the room and be like, so, yeah. gonna, you know, have sex with a werecat. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah. He's, he's like the elephant in the room guy. Right. But. Well, yeah, but it, his tone makes it so perfect, like his delivery exactly. and everything, and his tone is, is just outstanding. Oh, he now, and he's a gifted improviser too. Like uh, right. both he, Amy Matissio, uh, you know, we would often just kind of throw out the script in their scenes, and you know, yeah. preferably we'd try and workshop it in advance. But it was, it's just a nice safety net knowing that you've got someone who, you know, especially when they are supposed to be the comedic relief, you know, mm. that do a scene and it's not working, you can say, okay, let's turn off the camera, let's step outside, let's take five minutes, and let's just throw ideas at each other. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so we had a lot of alternatives, and which is really good and comforting, especially when you get to editing, to be like, okay, this scene actually isn't that, you know, we're, we've been too serious too long. We need a great zinger. And then there was yeah, always yeah. one waiting to, like, just break the yeah. tension. It was awesome. Yeah, we've, we've heard that with other people we've talked to about, uh, you know, people that will do, like, sort of that improvisational different line delivery, different lines in general. And then it, it may be a lot to have to go through all that stuff, but it's great to have the options of like, mm -hmm. oh, well, he did it five different ways or said five different things, or and I could pick out the best one that fits the tone of what I'm trying to do. So, Oh, time permitting, I'll always do improv. Um, I mean, it might be different based on the genre of film, mm -hmm. but 
for me in in comedy or horror or anything just slightly off um mm-hmm. that is almost like money in the bank when you get to editing especially on a low budget <laughs> where to yeah. be honest, you know you move so fast that uh you just sometimes don't know what you're gonna get and yeah it's like i mean it's a shame for me sometimes when i, I can't even enjoy the wolf cop films because i just see how rushed we were but oh, um, yeah. in the yeah. bank sometimes knowing that okay well even if this effect didn't work or that moment uh you know with the lighting didn't happen or this didn't work out at least i know like if it can be silly and fun enough and keep moving along, uh, you'll be at least entertained, you know? Yeah. 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 Now this all, um, takes place, you know, basically in, in your hometown ish area, right? And it's supposed to be near, near Regina and Saskatchewan was what I gathered from the context of the movie. Yeah. The, uh, the first film I was going for more like a, almost like a Gotham city, uh, metropolis vibe of DC comics where, I don't say where the small town is. It's just like this abstract small town that could be anywhere because mm-hmm. we, you know, really wanted the film to play anywhere around the world. Yeah. But uh, in Canada, people uh, when the first one came up, they're like, "Oh, you're embarrassed to be Canadian." Uh, so the second <laughs> one, like, okay, if you think we're embarrassed, we're going to shove Canada down your throat. So in the sequel, uh, yeah. if you obviously you've seen it, it's like not only do we reference Canada, we go to Canadian cities. You know, the Canadian mm-hmm. national anthem plays. Everything yep. is strong. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that was kind of cool. Cause, uh, I actually did find myself trying to find out what the setting was supposed to be. And there, there wasn't anything specifically. It just said like where it took place, but then seeing both movies, I was able to put the pieces together later when I was kind of prepping for the show. And, uh, so I didn't obviously put two and two together. Yeah. It's a made up but... town called Woodhaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you know, it, in my head and heart, it's, uh, in Saskatchewan somewhere. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, do you do you feel like you kind of captured the people of Saskatchewan, or the, there's like a section of people, or was that sort of like a parody of people? It's definitely a parody. I mean, uh, <laughs> when you live anywhere, I think too long, especially some places that you have your own personal conflicts or, or uh, issues with. Uh, yes, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. When you get to make a film, it's basically you get to do your commentary on it, and um, For free <laughs> ring, yeah. it's a loving uh, mockery of the province, but definitely a mockery. <laughs> you know, like I got gotcha. you. The homeless and the the meth heads and the random people lying naked in the ditch, you know, you're not going to see that everywhere. But uh, no, no. I wanted to, you know, scum it up a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm sure you might find a couple characters similar to Willie, though. Oh, for sure. For sure. These are <laughs> a, lot, a lot of them are based on people I know directly. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so the, the effects in both of these movies, but specifically we're just talking about the first movie now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are really fantastic. A lot of the stuff that you yeah, yeah. guys were able to pull off, and you, you had mentioned about the transformation scene earlier, um, and sort of being inspired by—I I don't know if you had specifically said—but American Werewolf in London and some of the other, yeah, the other classics. But um, what uh, is? Do you had a, a lot of experience with doing practical effects, or was this kind of your first try, and you wanted to really go crazy with it? Because there's definitely some pretty outrageous stuff in the movie, which. It feels um, it feels very experienced for for what you guys pulled off. So yeah, a little gutsy too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I um, it happens when you're good friends with an effects artist and and uh, Emerson mm-hmm. Ziff, who did the makeup effects for the Wolf Cop films. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I are really good friends, and uh, we he actually you know we met on one of my short films about God ten years earlier, just about, and uh, it was a zombie film. And I've always you know again been drawn to genre and horror and. I remember making this zombie film uh, when I was, you know, in my 20s and 
he was much younger. He was like a teenager and he wanted to do the effects and I didn't know him at all. And he just like, uh, you know, I had an open casting call and crew call for this short film I wanted to make. And he said, I'll do your zombie makeup. And uh, the zombies in my head, that film was 100 percent more about a comedy. And I would have been happy with like shitty gray makeup, you know, and some mm-hmm. thick. Mm-hmm. And, but what he did for that short film was so good that I just remember being like, OK, you've now shown me what you can do. So now let's actually yeah. do something for your talent and we've been working together ever since you know i don't i don't actually develop a project without bouncing it off him or throwing ideas around and he's great not just for effects but sometimes for uh the way his brain works the way he looks at problem solving or or logic uh so so yeah he uh i knew he was my ace in the hole with wolf cop and i knew people maybe were expecting you know something really bad makeup but which you often see at these budget levels of horror sure. films, but sure. or like, know, especially w- way comedy. too much CGI that looks just totally yeah. fake or something. Yeah. And we, we knew we weren't going to go CGI and I knew that being a comedy people were going to expect goofy makeup. And I said, this is one of the things that leans into the cool part of our world. You know, um, I mean, it, it'll be over the top and evil dead, but um, when we see Wolf Cop, it shouldn't be God, that guy looks like shit. And I mean, it <laughs> doesn't sure, always, yeah. you know, and Emerson and I joke about, some of the really rushed makeup jobs on the first film. But um, by the time we hit the sequel, um, I just think, I actually think he looks genuinely great. And, you know, with the right lighting, it's not funny anymore. He could have been just straight up terrifying. Sure. Yeah. 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 And the second one, especially there's a few scenes that are, are right out in the open in the, in the bright light. So, and yeah, 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 it looks yeah, bad exactly. at all. So. No, it, it's great. And it, it always, uh, you know, as a viewer, I always tend to cringe when you watch a werewolf movie. It's like, okay, how's the transformation? Because, you know, so many movies get it just kind of like, uh, kind of cringy, you know? I mean, in no fault to, you know, the effects makeup people or people doing it, you just have to, you know, you don't have any reference photos on how a real werewolf transforms, mm-hmm. obviously. So, um, or that we know of yet. But anyway, uh, you know, but uh, Wolf Cop nailed it, man. You guys, you guys really nailed it on the transformation scene. I loved it. Um, whenever you can have like skin peeling off and falling on the floor, it's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I know. I love when he, he rips the other, the, the face off or whatever. And then they find the <laughs> face and, she, and she's like, Oh, look at me. Yeah. Whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and puts it over her face. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And that's funny because, uh, that people, you know, people have mentioned liking that moment and that was an improv. That was literally, um, <laughs> what's funny to me when I watch that scene is that's not, uh, that actually is a face from a completely different person, like one of our severed heads. And we were just, <laughs> I said, Oh, it'd be so funny if you found his face. And, uh, yeah. Emerson just had to quickly run and like cut a face off of, of a <laughs> head and be like, uh, and I was like, that looks really bad. And he's like, I'll cover it in blood. And we're like, okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah you yeah, can't yeah. tell, right? Uh, yeah. It's hard to improv with makeup effects, but when you have the right team, you, you right. know, they, you, you want to give them months to come up with a gag, but every now and then you can just be like five minutes, get me a face. Sure. On yeah, the yeah. spot. Right, right. Uh so the both of these movies have sort of a uh a wolf or or were creature that uh has sex with a human. Uh what was kind of the mm-hmm. inspiration for for doing something like that? Uh I, I guess you have to go deep into psychology to figure that out. I have no idea. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, uh, okay. You needed a montage, right? Like to keep it yeah. nostalgic and eighties theme, we've talked about the you need a montage. So why not make montage. the sex scene? You need uh, a love, a mo- you need a love yeah. scene. And yeah. I remember I don't know why, like I can't explain where it came from, but for the first film, one of the first scenes I was visualizing in my head was a weirdly romantic eighties 
love scene, only he was a werewolf. And it was hard to explain and hard for people to wrap their head around. People were like, well, are they both wolves? And I'm like, no, she's not a werewolf. And they're like, are they both human at the time? And I'm like, no. And they're like, isn't that bestiality? I'm like, I don't know. I think it'll be kind of weird, you know? And, <laughs> and why it was put definitely... a label on it? Let's just yeah. film it. Yeah. Yeah. Why put a love, label on yeah. it? To me, it was like yeah. the, it's like the Superman thing. You know, it's like Lois Lane is always with Clark Kent. And then like, yeah, so yeah. he'd be with Superman. And, uh, I just thought like, well, this is the, this is his version of Superman. So there's just something funny to me about, um, right. you know, a sex scene with a hairy beast and, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but taken yeah. very seriously. And, uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> right. how we that's great. the first one. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, I, I, I like the reason that you gave that just because you thought it would be funny. Um, yeah. that's, that's pretty much why I would do something like that too. So, which <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about making movies, so I would never... <laughs> Uh, it would just be an idea that would die on the floor. Uh, so it's awesome that you did that, though. But no, it's it's a. Uh, I would say it's not bestiality because they are humanoid creatures. Right? Yeah, so, and they have candles, so that that negates it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. And there's definitely consent, so that's that's <laughs> also a plus. <laughs> right. So always important. Yeah, yeah. Always get consent. Uh, no, this this one was great. I love the first one. I love how yeah. it has like. The other great thing, because this is, you know, basically a creature movie and kind of this horror comedy, uh, you know, schlocky throwback 80s, and you have a lot of the music cues and stuff like an 80s movie, you have the, the badass car that you guys just, you know, destroyed mm, a cop yes. car and made the wolf car, um, <laughs> and have some cool driving scenes with that. Um, I, I like how the, you know, what the, what the final antagonist of the whole thing, the shapeshifters and everything, is like, you don't waste our time with trying to put too much science or thought into it. It's just like, oh, they're shapeshifters. They exist. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. do a thing, they make werewolves, and they drink their blood, and it keeps them alive. Like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I was We're explaining just a... that to uh, somebody, and they're like, that's fucking awesome. Like, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, like that sentence. You know, you don't hear that. Like, werewolf, well, yeah, and the shapeshifters, have, they have to, like, make the guy a werewolf. And, yeah, which is, oh, right. man. <laughs> but was there a temptation to like expand upon that, or were you always pretty set on like I'm just gonna leave it hang and and that's you just um, have to. I mean, there's always disbelief. a temptation, but uh, actually, I wanted to say as little as possible, and yes. so much so Less that more. Yeah. we actually had to do pickups uh, for the first film because uh, in the first film, I didn't even want to explain like the ritual, or I knew it was going to be an occult thing, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, there, there was an occult book, and they look in it, and they kind of get the idea of the ritual. But at first, I, I just wanted to have them see the picture in the book and be like, occult ritual. And it's like, that's it. They want to do something to get his blood. But nice. uh, when we, you know, first started screening the rough cut, it was like, okay, maybe this is too vague, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've always been in the camp of, um, I don't want, I think it's more fun in the imagination. And, and I like to know, yes. like, my internal logic of why it's happening, but... I also don't like to do homework when I'm watching a movie, so um, sure. especially like, a comedy, right. you don't want to add too much science and, and seriousness to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I like uh, giving you enough to understand it, but um, not uh, again, not doing a homework lesson. Mm-hmm. No, that was cool, and and it makes a nice little sort of antagonist to the uh, I guess sort of antihero that Wolf Cop has become, where he's he's fighting this shapeshifter invasion throughout at least the two movies now. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love the kind of throwback mentality and what was the, the process with, with making the wolf car? Did you, did you guys have like a specific body shop you took it to or whatever? Like, 
was that always uh, going to be a part of it or just because no uh it was always like that was one of the producers was like you got to have him have a cool car and i was actually against it at first i was like we, you know i just knew the resources that was going to take you know right, right. Pretty- thinking money yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yes, I was thinking money, and I was already fighting for two Wolf Cop fight scenes, and you know, having been told that I had the budget for one, so I was like, okay, well then, why would I put a car in? So, right. um, but anyway, um, I you know, I lost that fight, and I was like, okay, well, if we're gonna do a Wolf Cop car, um, let's just make it something that he could actually make. And um, luckily, the reason for that partly was because Leo Fafard who plays Wolf Cop, is a man of many skills. And okay. he actually, along with uh, the art director and some of the art team, he was the one welding. Like, he was out nice. there. He welded the W in the hood. And uh, oh, that's awesome. he did the first one, and I didn't like it. So he had to go and get another hood, and he was, like, pissed off at me. And, uh, <laughs> but, he, you, know, he, you know, he was involved in spray-painting the car, too. And we just said, like, okay, well, we don't, you know, it was never officially the 80s, but we knew it was a throwback era, so we had to find these, uh, you know, old diplomat cop cars yes, and uh, had to get a double of it. And, it, you know, it did become a whole deal and the car barely ran. And we actually hated that part <laughs> at the end of the movie. But, yeah, I just said, what's simple? What's like, you know, if we're going to trick it out, what's something that this guy could actually do in a few hours? And yep. uh, the art director, uh, Justin Ludwig, uh, was like, well, you know, like maybe he just turns the uh, the light bar on the top around a different angle, kind of like a mohawk and paints yeah, it black. Yeah. And I was like, done. So, um, done. Sure, yeah. doors off. And what's funny is when I first saw it, like I was, I was, I just remember being really annoyed about the cop car. But then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is okay. Now I want yeah. to get in the car. And everyone yeah. was afraid to get in the car with Leo because he drives like a lunatic and there were no. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's funny how you, you did a good job of like organically trying to transition it in the movie where, you know, when they go to break up the robbery and he kills all the people and, and Willie's talking shit to him. He's like, oh, you couldn't kill somebody on the way to the car, too, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck right. with the low profile, you know? Yeah. And then he rips the door off, and he's like, oh, great, another fucking thing we're going to have to explain. Great yeah. job, you know? Exactly. They, like, they just kind of have that, like, look at each other of, like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was cool how it, it just sort of organically flows into that. Plus, you get a, another montage opportunity, so. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, you need a good montage. Yes. Yep. Yes, yeah, so you have the sex montage and the car building montage. Exactly. Perfect. Right. No, I, I, I really dig it. Um, no, this is a ton of fun. I'm I'm glad that you got the opportunity to do the things that you did with it and, and to yeah. get a little extra thrust onto it. And I know for a while it was on Netflix in the U.S. I don't know if it's still in Canada or, or how that worked out. And I know you probably don't. It's on don't. Shutter right now, um, actually, which is like a, a horror app. Uh, yeah, I, ha- I have that too, but I think that it's different in the U.S. and Canada as well. Okay. I think it's just today on Shutter. Um, oh, okay. Is, yeah, the uh, I guess the twenty seventh of August, and uh, it's on Amazon. I know that Amazon Prime. Yes. And yes. Uh, other than that, I don't know. Um, it's it's hard for me to keep up. You know, it seems like it changes every few months. But uh, yeah, I know it was on Netflix and isn't anymore. But uh, it's you know yeah. not that hard to find. I'm sure. Well, that was cool that it got on there because that for sure gives you more exposure because mm-hmm. that's that's you know regarded as the most widely accepted platform that everybody fucking has it so oh yeah um not that you know that's uh, kind of the double-edged sword of with netflix is whether a hundred people watch it or a hundred million people watch it you don't get paid anything more oh but, at this point in my career i just want people to see what i'm doing you know yeah so. well that, that's that's the double edge <laughs> right. of, of that sword is that 
you know, maybe you get a hundred million people or well, maybe not that many, but you get I a think lot of with money on the line, you know, that's their biggest concern probably. But for me, um, mm-hmm. I just got in this, uh, you know, business to make things and have people connect with it. And I definitely noticed when it hit Netflix, um, the amount of people reaching out to me, uh, mm-hmm. it, night and day compared to before, you know, so good, it, yeah, it's good. only good for an independent filmmaker right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For sure. We, we've heard that from other people as well that uh, things like that you know it hits there and then all of a sudden it's like whoa like <laughs> right but um no it's cool it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun and then was the success from this like i'm sure you went through the traditional where did, did you make the movie and then kind of tour it through festivals before it was available to the the general public well weirdly the first film uh because we were partnered with um the company Sinaku, who had a partnership with the theater chain uh, oh, okay. We have stayed in the theaters and, you know, it's kind of sometimes when you are in theaters, film festivals, they want the prestige of airing you. You know what I mean? Like you're the prim- premier location to find it. Yeah. So the fact that we were playing in theaters in Canada, I think, kind of hurt our festival chances. Mm, um, I see. But that said, it still played in a couple cool festivals. It played mm-hmm. in uh, in Fantasia, which is like a great festival, genre festival in Montreal. And uh, but the second film, uh, by the time that came around, we got to be in some cool festivals. Again, we were in Fantasia and we were at Fantastic Fest in Austin and some other uh, cool spots. Right, right. And did you like did you see like a lot of buzz about this immediately when it came out that that kind of steered you into making the sequel right away as your next project? Or I mean, I, 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 know, I know you kind of hinted that it wasn't initially your plan was to just jump right into a second movie. I mean, we talked like while we were shooting the first one, I started banking ideas of like, oh, if we do a sequel, I'm going to do this and that and that. Uh, but it was never a guarantee. And uh, before it came out, the producers seemed pretty confident and they basically said, OK, we're going to do a sequel. Um, yeah. So I immediately kind of just dove into uh, writing and rewriting and rewriting the script while they were getting financing. And, um, you know, it took longer than anticipated, I think, to pull it all together. But uh, around, you know, we said 2015, we'd we'd make the movie and. We ended up shooting in 2016 at the beginning of the year, and uh, by mid 2016, we were in festivals for the sequel. So it was um, it was a bit longer road than I expected. I kind of thought like naively, oh well, you know, if, if they're making a sequel, it'll happen so fast. But um, it kind of was the same journey as the first film. I'm learning every movie feels like, you know, it's going to take a pound of flesh off you to do it. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. say, yeah. you know, oh, it's just a little movie. It'll take six months. Now, uh, you know, not not sure. if know if you're caring and you're pouring your heart into it and you're giving it basically your life um, right. it's going to take a year of your life minimum more like two yeah uh, mm-hmm. I, I could see how that would definitely uh, be a factor but i think like you were saying it's it's you know this labor of love where you just want to make the thing that you want to make and then have the exposure for it so at least for the time being it seems like the what do they say the the squeeze is worth the juice the juice is worth the squeeze <laughs> I yeah, I fucked that definitely. up. Did you right. squeeze? <laughs> <laughs> squeeze was yeah. I mean, it yes. was, yeah, it was It was never easy. Like, neither right. film was easy, but um, it was something I love, you know? It was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It mm-hmm. was... It's... The coolest part about the whole experience was it was literally something just in my brain, and I sat alone and told my friends about it over coffee right. or drinks, and I would tell them the story, and they would laugh, and then they would say, tell this guy what you said about that stupid movie you want to make. And then I'd tell them, <laughs> and then eventually yeah, right. people were like, can we please help you make this? And then yeah. we went through the contest. And I mean, to me, that is like, regardless of what happens next or what other projects are in the future, 
just having that experience of taking an idea and then getting to see it become like physical is so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, you come off of that and you start working on the second one and then you you are ready to go with, with making this. Um, I had listened to one other one other show of you or, or some interview that you were talking about how you wanted to take that in a different direction and not just do, uh, not make, you know, Wolf Cop Part 2. You wanted to make another Wolf Cop, whereas it's not going to be the same story again. There's going to be a different twist and shit's going to go in different directions and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, where did you kind of pull some of the, the inspiration to like take these different directions in this movie? Like the, you know, we have this different twist on how the, the shapeshifters are going to spread and, and some of the different, um, science behind this, uh, you know, it goes almost a little bit science fictiony to, to some degree. Uh, yeah. did, where did you kind of come up with some of these ideas? Um, I mean, I always, I knew I wanted to go a little more science fictiony with the sequel and mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to go. Um, relentless like before I could even physically put it into words I just knew I wanted it to be more aggressive and action yeah. and um, kind of like a you know another 48 hours kind of vibe where whatever the character is wearing in that day when the movie starts they're wearing it at the end of the day you know where it's nice. like we just see yeah. the you know it's the worst day of their life type thing so right. uh, I, I <laughs> it was honestly too many drafts of the script to remember uh, you know I got a lot of the producers gave me way more feedback on the second one and I think they were way more invested in like you know, like they had their priorities too. So it was like definitely the first one I felt like I was like off uh, alone, you know, like getting feedback, but still felt very much like, okay, this is what it's going to be. And it, you know, from beginning to end details changed, but it didn't change that much. And the sequel felt like definitely way more like a tornado of like opinions and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. voices to satisfy and also like trying to like hold on to the things that I really cared about, but then also, you know, giving ownership to say the actors as well and saying, okay, here's what I've done with your arc. What do you think? And, and letting people like Jonathan Cherry and Amy, you know, like, like things that just came out of nowhere too. like, you know, a month before shooting, uh, Tina and, and uh, Willie had no real interaction in the script. And then when we sat down and did a read through and, you know, realized like, you know, that obviously they're both improvisers. They kind of came to me and said like, how come we don't get to do anything? You know, we're like, we, we are both like, you know, wanting to like say some stuff on the fly. So uh, we just kind of bullshitted some stuff together and they improvised some stuff at a table read. And I, I realized like, my God, these characters need to, like, I, when you think about what happened in the first film, I'm like, I would love to see these two characters actually have a conversation because She's yeah. so straight laced and he's so ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, things like that, you know, like it, it, it came like the first film felt like I was telling the story I wanted to tell. And the second film felt like I was trying to satisfy eight spinning plates, you know, make, yeah. make yeah. the actors happy, make the audience happy with what I knew that they were saying about the first film and what they were hoping, um, making the producers happy and the investors. Uh, so it was like, it was much harder creatively, but I also feel like, um, it was more exciting because I knew there was an audience for it. You know, the first film yes, was like, "Oh, yes. this could fail," but the second one, I'm like, when I knew that I was going to have Willie come back, and I just felt so excited because I'm like, "Oh, if anyone out there, like people would say to me at conventions, like you got to bring Willie back," and I, yeah, like, <laughs> or another funny one was like, I'd, you know, you go to fan expos and comic cons, and one guy dressed up as Kevin Smith, like, uh, kept <laughs> coming to our booth and be like obsessively being like, "You got to get Kevin Smith in Wolf Cop 2. and like knowing right. that he was in it and having like this uber fan of Kevin Smith talking to us and not telling him just felt like so cool being like, oh, this That's guy's awesome. going to be so happy. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, your your notes was uh, bring Willie back and make it more Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are big ones, and and not be afraid to go. I actually like looking at it now. You know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but part of me is like, God, I think we made it too weird. <laughs> you know, you never. Oh know. God, no. Uh, I, I, I'm, I mean, me. I, I say no. I, I don't think you made it too weird. I think you made it perfect. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. you know, but th- that's just my cup of tea, though. I mean, just yeah. having it like, you know, like I said, monsters, sci-fi, a- anal probes. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, it's oh, definitely the kitchen yeah. sink, right? It's definitely everything, man. It, it, and it's it's a true sequel. It really is. It's um, you didn't go over the the thing where it was it was slapstick, kind of kind of silly, where it loses the horror element of it. You know, where a, a lot of the eighty sequels will do that. Uh, Gremlins, Gremlins too, right? I mean, yeah, we didn't go. I like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like Gremlins too, but I understand what that movie is. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. like I I liked what it was, but I understood where it anymore. You right. know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But with the uh, Wolf Cup too, it was just like, um, and like I said, I watched it back to back, so I didn't know Willie came back. You know yeah. what I mean? And so that <laughs> I was just like cheering yeah i was absolutely cheering that he came back and he because that's how i felt yeah i hope people. yeah Mm -hmm. and he came back man swinging and every line that he delivered oh yeah yeah. um like under his breath or whatever oh god like i I said i i uh i've been walking around quoting willie all day and i think people are getting upset (laughs) (laughs) he's he's so much better in the second movie because yeah i i almost i don't know if that was intentional but like well, he has more the first charisma one, he's a because he's right, right cuz he's yeah. actually yeah. himself. He's a shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's unleashed. Like the thing about yeah. these films is these are 17-day shoots. So like to be honest and and the first one, you know, I cast Jonathan Cherry. He and I it's not like a Hollywood movie where we sit down and we talk character and you mm-hmm. know, we we do rehearsals and all these things like <laughs> I cast him on a tape. We have a phone call and then the next time, I, the time I physically meet him, he's coming to set to be Willie. So right. um, <laughs> it's like such a learning curve where sometimes you're two days into shooting before you mm-hmm. realize, oh, you're really funny. And, and he, you know, you have a lot <laughs> right. of ideas. And, and then mm-hmm. and guess what? You get three more days and then he's done. You know, so right. um, I think, again, that's the benefit of the sequel with a, a relationship like what I had with Jonathan playing Willie was. Um, you know, the first film is like, I, I, you just realize by the end, oh, we love working together. So the second yeah. one, like a no brainer was like, no, there's no way I'm making a sequel without bringing him back. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He definitely has a lot of great lines. My, my favorite personally is when he confronts the organ player Organo. He's <laughs> like, what? Organo, Your name's yeah. Organo? You play the organ? That's super fucking weird, man. Yeah. Why aren't you wearing any fucking pants? <laughs> Why aren't you wearing any fucking pants? <laughs> and did you guys know who Organo is? No, I looked him up on IMDb, but he didn't have movie credits. But I didn't, I didn't recognize. Well, this is uh, this is your this is why we do these podcasts, I guess, so I can uh, explain uh, okay. the awesome little uh, insider things. The organist named Organo is another cameo. He's a singer, Lawrence Gowan, and he is the one who wrote the sex scene songs he wrote strange animal and okay. he wrote moonlight desires and uh, he, he tours with sticks now oh, oh nice. Okay. nice that's nice, awesome nice nice yeah so he's like he's like uh he's a big deal and the fact that we got him in the movie was like super rare and and he we, we weren't gonna have to say anything you know he wasn't gonna really yeah. have any lines but uh once again through the fun art of improv i was like wow you're actually pretty good on your feet which no surprise being an experienced mm. musician 
who plays to like sold out crowds. So right, sure, yeah. You let him just go nuts, and and uh, he's like, I'm not going to wear pants, and then they improvise all those <laughs> weird lines. So it was really. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you play the organ. Your name's Organo. It's super fucking weird. <laughs> oh, part you already I get yeah yeah, uh, yeah but no, all, all of, all of that, his yeah. his parts are great like yeah he's definitely unleashed and and you get that like manic sense of that he was you know missing for a few weeks or or months or however long it was and uh, then he ends up with kind of a weird quado type clone growing <laughs> out of his stomach quado yeah yeah so then it just makes him even weirder which is love it great because he has to interact yeah. with this weird clone version of himself <laughs> yeah that was another thing that i was like you know it, that was really fun in the writing and thinking and then as soon as we're doing it i'm like god this is a nightmare <laughs> uh, yeah. every scene of him we have to have like you know a army of people puppeteering and moving him around <laughs> but yeah i love the little interactions with him and his and his dude especially the yeah, one yeah. When, they're, when they're smoking the weed to get they're smoking the joint <laughs> together and he gets pissed and it's no more weed for you man <laughs> yeah but, yeah that no, was, it's, it's a fun character one. uh so the other, you know, the science fiction element is you bring in sort of these these android cyborg type creatures mm-hmm. that make up the hockey team and the uh, the robot assassin that goes to the strip club. Uh, was that sort of like a, a almost Terminator type inspired thing or? Totally. Um, and okay. I had uh, and, and the, these are, you know, the personal heartbreaks of the movie is uh, that the Frank character at the strip club, mm-hmm. he was actually supposed to be a much bigger role, but uh, we didn't have the time to. Uh, shoot his additional scenes so uh you know hopefully there's a third film where we can bring him back but yeah. there's more to that character and i wanted to do a lot more of that kind of you know i wanted a monster brawl like a really good mano a mano like fight right. that the strip club scene was just meant to be round one to set it right. up right right right, right. yeah yeah and beat, beat wolf cop up right yeah 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 I, they need a rematch they needed a rematch in that movie but uh for sure you know we had fell by the wayside sadly Right, and uh, I know Marco mentioned about making the movie more Canadian. I uh, I love that you added hockey into it right. because I I mentioned in the the pre-show part about being from the Buffalo Niagara Falls area, like we're a big hockey town, and I've been to these these little you know small town rinks and and whatever the the tiny bleachers like that, watching a high <laughs> school team or something. Or um, so I it totally hit home with me. I was like, oh, this is great. I love this. That's good because, and that's another like uh, you know talk about the weird things that happen while you're prepping a movie. Uh, we thought we were going to be a summer film, so there was never going to be any hockey. It was going to be like a, some kind of rodeo or some kind of town parade or something. And okay. when the schedule got pushed, that was one of the only things that kind of cheered me up was like, well, it's going to have to be a winter film now. And I was like, right. well, I'm not shooting a big outdoor winter scene. So we're like, well, why, what's a gathering that works in winter indoors? Yeah. And then it was oh, like, okay, was awesome. Canadian. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. You, you serve in uh, two, uh, two of the um demandments i guess right <laughs> yeah yeah and and you kind of made it almost a christmas movie too right with these yeah, the right. santa yeah. bandits yeah i Just... wish we went further in the christmas thing now that's another hindsight thing but um i didn't want to go so far that it would only be the kind of movie people would watch at christmas you know it's a yes, kind yeah. of like oh it's so christmasy i don't want to watch it in you know right September, but, uh, yeah yeah uh so we've well, had a super a... christmas yeah it's interesting that, um, like you mentioned comic books before, like, you know, you want to get into a story and comic books and whatnot. And these two movies, uh, you look back and like you really break it down. You've got, you know, super villains. You've got superheroes. You've got the sidekicks. You've got gangs like the Piglets and the begin in the first one, the pig uh, band uh, robbers. Um, yeah. The second one, you got the Christmas rob. You know what I mean? Like you, you've got those, like you said, that Batman villainous um, 
concept going for you in these films. So it really much does play like a comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was no accident. I mean, like uh, comics yeah. were like even visually the palette. If you look at like we have a lot of like red gels and green yes. gels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes for no reason, you know, like we I, I remember like talking to the DOP and I would just be like, you know, I'd look at a scene of two people talking and be like, eh, make the wall bright yellow. And they're like, why? Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just don't want to look at that color of a wall, you know, so uh, it, yeah. it, it makes a lot more interesting. Comics, definitely. You know, like in, in comic book panels, if it's just like yep. the same shot three times in a row of a guy talking, if he's sad, you'd make the wall blue. And right. uh, I love that I, to me, like. This movie doesn't live in the real world, so I don't follow right. the world rules. You know? <laughs> Perfect. It definitely is, does not live in the real world, that's for sure. Uh, but no, I, I love the extra weirdness of it. I love the Canadianness of it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm impartial to Canadian culture a little bit myself, you know, knowing people from Ontario and going up there for like comic conventions and stuff. And, and uh, that part of it is great. And, you know, again, like everything is ramped up in this movie. You have more gore, more fighting, more action more shootouts and stuff like it's it's just fucking awesome i, I like you even get a bazooka in there you get an explosion <laughs> right how did the uh the explosion work out did was that um something that you hoped to have in right from the beginning or something where you found a place that you could actually do it yeah the explosion like actually the explosion was a tough one because we all agreed we were going to do it and uh we wanted to get the the wolf cruiser blown up because we hated the damn car and we're right. like Let's do it that's going to be our fun thing but um i mean again an explosion is a big thing so uh realistically when we found out we were going to be a 17 day shoot we took it off the schedule and we're like we shot everything but the explosion we shot the guy with the rocket launcher you know like mm-hmm. we the back of the car and then they just react as if they've blown it up and then we're like we'll figure it out later and <laughs> the movie was literally like weeks away from being in a festival and we still had just a shot that said like wolf car explodes so uh, <laughs> get to in summer uh, with no money, just like a pickup day and like get the permits and just blow up the car. And uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was very nerve wracking to, you know, have the demand for the movie be out there. And I in the back of my head, I'd had like, you know, wake up and sweat nightmares that the movie would go out and there would just be no explosion. Just that car, right. car explodes and people would laugh and I'd be sad. <laughs> yeah, but we that was to do it finally, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. no, that was awesome. And uh, was it in the first one that the, you had the barn explosion or the second yes, one? First one. Okay. Yeah, the first one was the barn explosion. And again, um, those were like the, the small things you fight for. And everybody agreed that, that we would blow up the wolf cruiser uh, in the second one. And in the first one, we were not all in agreement that the barn would blow up. I really, you know, being a first time filmmaker, I was naively like, I want to blow up a real barn. <laughs> I right, toured oh, yeah. a, right. And we actually looked at like 20 barns across Saskatchewan. And we could never find one that people would let us blow up for structural <laughs> reasons or realistic reasons. And it also had to be the perfect barn that we could drive into. And I wanted the car to smash through the wall. And yeah. luckily, our production manager, uh, Deborah Marks, was like, okay, we can do what you want, but we have to start thinking about it as individual pieces. So right, we ended right. up building fake barn doors in a soundstage and just shoot with green screen, having the car drive through the doors and, okay. you know, effect shot. And then the barn, I said, like, miniatures look shitty. So we compromised, and we did a miniature, but it wasn't, like, what you expect when you think of a movie miniature. You think of, like, you know, something the size of, like, you know, like a toy a toy house miniature. We actually right. built a barn. Like, the barn was bigger than a minivan type thing. Okay. Right, right. Gotcha. No, that's awesome. Any Anytime you can have an explosion, 
Yeah. I, I would say you want to have that explosion in the movie. I agree. I agree. Like it's a no brainer. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll negotiate how you do things, but to do yeah. a movie called Wolf Cop and not have a single explosion, I'm like, I'm not on board for that. Yeah, right, and right. also, and I, again, I don't, I don't know how expensive it would have been, but I kind of appreciated that you didn't do CG explosion in it either. No, I, right. I, I didn't want to do. Um, I mean, part of me, like, I, I'll admit, like, after these two films, I'm not 100 percent against CGI to enhance. No, it. Oh, right, right, and and the right. reason being is. Um, I was so against CGI for these two films that there are some shots that are so cringeworthy to me, but they're practical. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Things sure. don't work and the fire's not right or the shot's kind of shitty, but they're I'm real. Sure, yeah. That's kind of the yeah, trade-off. They're real. But they're real. Exactly. And like I said, as as a viewer and as a fans and stuff like that, we appreciate that a lot. And it, it does go a lot of way, a long way. So, um mm-hmm. The appreciation of not, I mean, it not, you're like, you're right. You, you use it as a tool to enhance and not just lean back on and depend. And we talked to other yeah. people saying, you know, hey, it's, it's, um, not always a decision made because, you know, it's an easier decision because sometimes CG could be a lot more expensive and whatnot. Um, yeah. but it's also like, like you said, you know, maybe you never found a bar, maybe the, the option of not finding the model or building a model and doing green screen and stuff like that. Maybe you had to do CG. So again, there's, there's a give and take with, especially in independent filming. So. Oh, totally. like I, like I was so against uh, CGI in these two films that like anytime you see CGI in the film, it was like a fight I lost, you know, like there, (laughs) there are shots in the the first that I cringe, you know, like when the shapeshifters uh, transform, I want to do a more practical version and I lost that battle. And um, also when there's shots of like, the moon in the sky i wanted to do it like a matte painting and just like actually right. get like three matte paintings and uh but we you know we didn't have the money we didn't have the time and you know i appreciate yeah. the pictures you know we had to get the movie out and just get it done so there you go there you the go things i was like no uh so um we well, i just want to quickly mention one repeat character from the the first movie which is the wolf cock makes a reappearance in this one <laughs> yes <laughs> and now this time this time it's not transformed yeah, that it's was not in the transformation. Definitely, we had to do, and yeah. I even, but I wasn't super excited about it because I'm like, we did that already. But um, they were like, you got to show the wolf dick somehow. So I was like, yeah. we're gonna do it, get it over with quick, and just have it be matter of fact. Like he's just not- exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it, it makes a little like throwaway line later that I chuckled at when you know she's like, oh, I still can't get the image of that dick out of my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Yeah, you got to so. poke an eye out with that thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then the introduction of some of the new characters. I mean, we have the two the two new police mm-hmm. officers. But then the, you have the the new bad guy. You have the the mayor played by Kevin Smith. Yeah. And we also get uh, Willie's sister in this one. So you have a little bit bigger cast to work with this time too. Um, did that make it? I'm sure just mo- a little bit more chaotic to have to do these different parts, these different people, and have more moving pieces to fit into the puzzle at once. Yeah, and and a lot of it was um, you know just weird scheduling things too. Like for example. Um, Yannick Besson, who plays uh, Sydney Swallows, you know, he was a wonderful mm-hmm. villain, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we only had him for a small, you know, window. So we had him for like a week or something. Uh, and then when we found out we were getting Kevin Smith, it was great, but it wasn't in the same week. And I'm like, but would they share a scene? So right, it was right. like, you know, like how to do things like, um, and that happens all the time, you know, I'm sure right. on TV shows and, and bigger things, yeah, but yeah. it was kind of my first time of like shooting scenes where it's like, okay, we're going to shoot this scene twice. And you know, it's going to be an AD standing here where this actor was and the actors have to just act opposite crew members and just trust me that in the editing it's going to make sense, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I'm sure that makes it harder, especially, you know, with, with being on a, a smaller budget where you can't just, oh, come come hang out for a month and just wait yeah. in the trailer until we need you. No, you, you don't know. get that. You get people when you get them. <laughs> You know, like Kevin Smith, I think we had him for like six to eight hours. So it's just like, okay, we're going to use you as much as we can. We're going to maximize that you're actually here and willing to play with us. And, uh, you know, like I'm just going to have to have really good storyboards and remember the lighting and remember where people were standing. And if you're handing him something, remembering exactly left to right, Right, height, you know, all those things. So you just kind of take on a little bit extra and just to to make sure you're technically, um, you know, secure. But by and large, then you just... You know, the hard part then thinking, how do I now improvise? And you have no one to improvise off of, you know, you're like, so a week later, you have to be like, oh, he made a joke about farting. So can you react to that? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I ha- like. Oh, go ahead. I was, oh, I was just going to say, and having Kevin Smith, an uncredited actor in, in this movie, uh, what, what was that decision? I mean, was that his decision, your decision or something? Maybe he just wanted to help you guys out and do this and yeah. just like, look, leave my name off of it. Uh um, I honestly don't know. I think that's like, yeah, you know, the the producers would have to weigh in on that. Oh, okay. But, okay. but it was kind of just like, like I, he definitely wanted to be there, and uh, he was all for yeah. it. So I think it was just kind of like a last minute, like random thing where cool. it just worked out that he was uh, in, in our in our province, and we just took a shot, and it worked out. Sure, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And, that was cool. And not only that, but you got to kill him too. So that's pretty. Right. That's pretty I know. No pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Could you be in our movie and we're also going to fuck you up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's definitely was cool. And I love the the addition of the sister, which uh, yeah, her yeah. name was Cat. It was Cat, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's a were cat, obviously. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you know, then we had mentioned in the first one that you get to have the the animal person hybrid have sex with a regular human. Where uh, this time, uh, you know, the the wolf cop is untransformed and and just has sex. Yeah. And and uh, she is actually transformed. Uh, is it's it's great because you go a little further with this one and kind of make the scene a little bit more silly. It almost reminds me of like a um, <laughs> like the like the thing in Team America. Yeah. I don't know if you if you've seen that where like the long oh, drawn out sex yeah, scenes of all the different positions and stuff. I mean, yeah. we definitely. Uh, I just wanted to go further and I wanted to, yeah. this actually wasn't what I wanted to do in the sex scene. I had uh, a completely different idea, which I won't say because uh, maybe I'll get to do it in another film. Right. Right. But, gotcha. uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the producers are kind of like, okay, maybe that seems like a little more, a little further. So maybe we should do something a little simpler for the sequel. So it just kind of became doing the opposite, which I still right. think, you know, you know, then we said, okay, the spirit has to be the opposite too. So, if that one was romantic, this one has to be aggressive and right. so on and so you know. Right, right. No, that was that was pretty great. And she was just a cool character anyways. I like yeah. you know, her little interactions with Willie and Willie's all overprotective of her and <laughs> oh, he has to right, yeah. Listen to her have animal sex and he's all <laughs> yeah. traumatized from it and everything. Oh man. Uh, so that that was pretty awesome. But she introduces the the moon rock concept yeah. which yeah. is is a cool little kind of cheat on how to get him to turn into a wolf cop or to charge him up in addition to the fact that alcohol also fuels him right to get him to actually transform the to use the moon rock dust which i thought was kind of a brilliant idea uh was that your idea to to throw that in there well it was kind of a co- an ongoing conversation around like how do we you know how do we figure out how to have wolf cop be wolf cop not just like two days of the year you know and sure. uh right. It became like, you know, we need some kind of fix. And uh, I, I 
forget exactly where it came from, but like it just felt like Moon Rocks would be good for an addictive personality like Lou. Yeah, yeah, and they could make all the jokes about like you know, like use like having a giant rock and whatever, and like like you know the correct parts are basically yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, and the, awesome. uh, the moonshine plus the moon rock mix. I mean, oh, and yeah. then, you know, it's just, it's perfect. It's like spinach for Wolf Cop, basically. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I love the element. I didn't mention it in the first one, but how, you know, he, he can, the, basically the more that he drinks, the stronger he gets. It, it yes. enhances him. That's They're trying to figure that out in the first movie, why he was so much stronger than other ones. Oh, because oh, he's, oh. Cause he's drunk all the time. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah Popeye vibe. Yeah, yep, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then even you know the name of of Lou that he's the Lou Guru is uh, is great. <laughs> is, you know, even right right up front with the werewolf thing on that, which I think yeah, in this movie the the, the being up front is good. Version, so uh, yeah, I heard Lou Guru many times in my teen years. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty awesome. I love the the name and the way you know it's again with this movie it's there there's a very like 80s sensibility to it you have a lot of like synth and then you have kind of the the metal at the same time for you know the montages and everything so mm-hmm. you could definitely see there's a little bit of love letter to the the 80s type of uh feel in these movies yeah totally and totally and that's what we were going for you know we never wanted to say like this is a straight up 80s film but mm-hmm. uh I, i'm glad we picked up we definitely wanted to give the vibe of an 80s film yeah, well, and it's like a modernized version. Like you have more modern sensibilities to these people and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one the one last thing we'll, we'll as we kind of start to unwind here, um, we'll each kind of throw one last thing at you here, and then just let you plug whatever might be coming up for the future. Um, I was curious with with doing the the wolf makeup slash suit that you use for that. Um, yeah. How how did you manage? that on your short time schedule because i know stuff like that takes forever to get set up so did you basically have him do the, all the makeup stuff in in a bunch of days as po- you know get that out of the way or did you have to keep kind of stringing that along and like have him do are you going to be the wolf today but not tomorrow and then yeah it was kind of a mix i mean we in an ideal world we'd be like only human some days only wolf some days however mm-hmm. we had to uh, you know, based on locations and other concerns, some days he had to actually be human in the morning oh, and nice. go be cop after lunch. And uh, the process was four hours. So we'd have to like yeah. make sure we broke him and film scenes without him before lunch so that they could start on the process and he'd eat during lunch. And then uh, hopefully we'd get him a little bit later in the afternoon. But we definitely on the first film had to kill time and shoot other scenes and schedule it really smartly. Um, sure. But by the time we did the second film, uh, Emerson was so good at making him and his team at making Wolf Cop that mm-hmm. he better than he ever did in the first film in under two mm-hmm. hours. It became yeah, a kind of where there were day, many days where he was human and Wolf Cop in the same day. We just had to like schedule it right, you know? Sure, yeah. Uh, so did you have any last uh, question or anything that you wanted yeah, to ask about either one? I, I got two I got two things. Um, well, one is the one thing I just want to say that I appreciate probably the, like the uh, besides all the the dialogue and everything that I laughed my ass off was uh, the blind guy in the stands from the one you know from the first film, the gangster guy that yeah. got his eyes poked out <laughs> sitting sit in the fan. So it was. I'm glad you stepped on that. That was a good <laughs> that, friend that of mine. Was, film school. Yeah. yeah, that that, <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. When I saw him, I I was crying. Um, <laughs> Awesome. Just knowing that, of course, and uh, and of course, you know, you left it open for a third one. We're not, I don't want to, I don't want to ask anything about the third one, uh, or if it's in your head or whatever you're doing. But as uh, um, the only thing I do want to ask is that, did you has anybody that the cast is everybody on board to do a third one? 
um, and excited for it if it's if it is happening. Okay. Uh, There's no immediate plans. Like unlike the first film, where as soon as we finished, we started doing the second. This one, we're kind of like down, and we've kind of like you know all disbanded and gone our separate ways. But um, no one has said like no. So I think if you know if we you know conversations went well with the producers and the uh, creative team and the key cast and people wanted to do it. Uh, I'd yeah. love to do it as a trilogy. Um, I'm not going to push it, though. I'm pretty happy with the first two. So um, if it worked out uh, and everybody could do it and we could do it right, you know, like, right. uh, you know, I, exactly. I would definitely, if I did a third one, I'd want a couple more days at least, things like that, because, um, you know, it's got, we've got to take it up a notch again, you know, oh, and sure, it sure. Right. Yeah. be bigger, but it definitely has to be better. So um, mm-hmm. I would, yeah. I would definitely do it. Yeah, and yeah. like I said, when you left it off as far as like Wolf, the you know Wolf Cop will return. I always thought in my head, okay, it could either be two things, right? It could be a third Wolf Cop, or it could be where your next project or something like that. There's a Wolf Cop cameo or some sort of, you know, maybe like there's like Wolf Cop is a, a comic book character in another story. So I thought that was kind of cool how you left it open in your like your universe that you're yeah. creating. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I. Uh, Marco mentioned the callback with the one character, and I like it was the the after credit scene when yeah the guy has his face rehabilitated <laughs> and then gets hit by the car yeah. and his yeah. face falls yeah, right off again. Inside baseball stuff. I'm glad you guys picked up on him. Like yeah. some people yeah. are just like, yeah. the hell is that? Guy? But if you watch him back to back, you know. Yeah, exactly. well, that's at first, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about it when I'm seeing it happen. I go, who the hell is this guy that's coming out of the hospital? And like, what? Is, I'm like, well, maybe it's it. it it's some, well, let's just see what happens, and then the face hits the windshield, and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 the first yeah. one, the face hits the windshield, and it yeah. was it was Willie was trying to put the wipers on, was stuck under the wipers, and <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. Not everybody does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and the you did the the uh, mid credit scene in the first movie too, where he came back on the guy that was kicking his dog. Yes, I'm glad got revenge on the dog kicker guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I love the mid-credit scene. I, I've learned my lesson now where yep. I at least, you know, skip through and make sure that there's something in, in every movie now just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've missed it a couple times. Yeah, but, I always uh, stick around. You never you know. You know, they used to do that in the 80s back yeah. in the day where um, they used to have end credits or mid-credit scenes, you know, a lot. Uh, it's not just like where people think that it's a uh, superhero Marvel thing that, that goes on where you have to you know, get it for the next story or whatnot. But I remember a lot of movies back then. Yeah, yeah that little epilogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like even when I used to go to a video store and rent up and put it in and I I'm the type of person that watches all the credits and listens to the music at the end that because I just that hoping that there's something extra there that's you know 10 second clip or 20 second clip so yeah absolutely unless it was a bad movie then you're like can't wait to turn it oh off. yeah I turn it off right so, immediately <laughs> I don't care about your fucking bonus scene the movie sucked <laughs> exactly. uh, <laughs> we've all been there before uh, but yeah. definitely not with your movies. So, no. uh, you know, Marco had brought up about a, a trilogy, possibly just based on the fact that it's sort of left ambiguous at the end of the movie, which I think is a cool way to leave it because then you can mm-hmm. if you want to, but yeah. you, you really don't have to. Um, I see what capacity he would return, but he would return. So, so yeah. I thought that well, was cool. I, yeah. I, I think you, it's something you could even come back to like later on. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's not immediately in the foreground and. If he came back around to this years later, and it's like, oh, let's check in with what uh, what Lou and the gang are up to now. So, right, right, that would still work for sure. Uh, yeah, but I it, never know. We'll see. Whenever uh, you know, if if fate wants another one, we'll uh, we'll find a way. I I definitely love the characters, so uh, I would yeah. always be bored. Yeah, cool. Uh, could we possibly get a Willie spinoff movie? 
Just Willie by himself. He definitely deserves one, for sure. <laughs> just like yeah. a, a wacky comedy about following Willie around. Or uh, just a side or a side uh, uh, journey of him, you know, being abducted and probed and yeah. or just that whole running around this alien spaceship. I know, right? <laughs> it's like you could put that character in any scenario and it'd be a hilarious. And uh, yeah. I know poor Willie got violated and didn't even get <laughs> didn't even get acknowledged for it. Right. Uh, so, so until we get the Willie spinoff, uh, what other kinds of things might you be working on? Uh, like I said, I'm in uh, development on like a comic book that I'm going to be doing a crowdfunding for pretty soon called Atomic Victory Squad. Uh, and it's okay. again kind of a messed up superhero team. It's got that kind of vibe. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, definitely look out for that. It's going to be chaotic and uh, definitely weird, you know, in the same kind of vibe as Wolf Cop, except, you know, oh. it, I couldn't do it as a movie because it'd be like millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> and, Great, uh, yeah. and I also uh, I directed a film called Supergrid for Hugh Patterson, who's one of the producers of Wolf Cop, and it's a independent uh, Saskatchewan film, but it, it'll be out, I'm sure, in the next few months. And it's a post-apocalypse kind of action film, and it stars uh, Leo Fafard again, who's Wolf Cop, and Amy Matissio mm-hmm. is in it, and Jonathan Cherry is in it. So oh, uh, nice. Nice. check that out. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about trying to reach out to, to Jonathan to have him come on and just do Willie for us <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe we can interview him as Willie and he can he can do some crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no that that actually sounds really cool and do you have any other kind of uh, you don't have to necessarily give anything away but some other ideas of where you'd like to go or you know some some things outside of the the horror box or more serious things or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I just I just want to keep uh, writing and directing. So uh, I've I've uh, I've got a couple projects in development. I've got a drama that I'm working on that's like nothing I've done before. And nice. uh, you know, I've also written a couple of horror films that I also want to do. So uh, you never know. It's always like I said, a really hard battle to get these projects. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's sure, yeah. three or four that hopefully will become real in the next couple of years. For sure. For sure. Cool. Stay creative, uh, man. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so why don't you just let everyone know where they could keep up with, you know, whatever you have coming out and, and the movie, the movies that are already out and, and what you might have coming up just to, you know, know for the future what you're doing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you want to know anything Wolf Cop, we're on Twitter and Facebook, easy to find. Uh, Atomic Victory Squad, the comic book, I'll be uh, crowdfunding in September. So you can find that uh, pretty easily just by looking up the words Atomic Victory Squad. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm on Twitter, so uh, you can look for Lolo Film, L-O-L-O-F-I-L-M, or just search my name on Twitter. And uh, I'm usually sharing any projects I'm working on there. Oh, that's awesome. And cool. I know you said that the uh, these movies are, are out on all the, uh, the various VOD platforms and then possibly on Shudder in the U.S., but definitely in Canada. I'll look into that more myself. And there was also the two-pack of the movies, which I... It's funny because I was going... I I rented these, and then I was almost going to buy them in the two-pack, but then I'm like, oh, but what if a third one comes out? I'm going to have the the (laughs) two-pack, and then just like a single one. Yeah, it'll be... But I, I still might just buy them individually, just in case, so... Well, we'll see. Either way, I'm, I'm I'm definitely going to go back and pick up the physical copies so that I can yeah. I can watch them with my son here in a little bit. Well, they're worth it for the extras. You know, there's some really good extras on there. So uh, cool. check. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. People love extras, especially in horror. Mm-hmm. We're all kind of junkies for. Once you find a movie you love, then it's like now I want to see find more everything. About yeah, exactly. So, 
But uh, no, this is cool. We really appreciate yeah. the, uh, the the time that you gave us here and and just giving us some more insight on these movies and, and everything else. And it's always fun to hear the story of, of what people were thinking at the parts that we see and how much it matches up to maybe what we were thinking with them. Right. Uh, so yeah, we will make sure that we plug all of your stuff. And for anybody who is listening, um, if you don't know where to find us and you just happen to find us because you were looking up stuff to have to do with Wolf Cop or Lowell, uh, we are on iTunes and Stitcher and Podbean and all the usual platforms as far as that goes. And you can find us under Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, Instagram, Facebook. And we're also on the feeds for the Legion Podcast Network and the Raw Live and Unedited Podcast Network. And I think that's everything. So thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.